We need to empower our children to understand how to manage their minds, how to understand their minds and how to have the tools to be able to tell their story. So instead of telling them that there's something wrong with them if they feel sad or angry or telling them that they're wrong or telling them not to cry or whatever, it's actually understanding if, if there is a pattern change in the child, if they're suddenly not sleeping and they, they're very emotional and they are complaining of sore stomachs and they just don't want to go to school anymore. You know, there's a change in your child. There's a reason. The way your child's showing up is not just some random thing. It's not who they are. And if we can understand that concept of understanding how to recognize those signals in your child and how to teach your child how to recognize the signals in themselves, you're equipping them with the tools to manage adolescence, adulthood, and the rest of your life. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast 
is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Today, I have Dr. Carolyn Leaf on the show. Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a communication pathologist, audiologist, and clinical and cognitive neuroscientist specializing in psychoneurobiology and metacognitive neuropsychology. That is a mouthful. You can tell us about that in a minute. Her passion is to help people see the power of the mind to change the brain, control chaotic thinking, and find mental peace. Since the early 1980s, Dr. Leaf has researched the mind-brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. As a highly sought-after expert on mental health, she is the host of the top-rated podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. Dr. Leaf is also the author of several best-selling books, including Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Switch on Your Brain, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, The Perfect You, Think, Learn, Succeed, and many more. She has a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a Bachelor of Science in Logopedics. Dr. Leaf does ongoing research and clinical trials in the field of psychoneurobiology in order to improve mental health interventions. So welcome to the show, Dr. Leaf. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Erin. It's lovely to be with you. So that is quite a list of accomplishments, I have to say, (laughs) and quite an educational background. (laughs) Such a mouthful, sorry. I think it's great. I just love how all the books, I love how much you've learned and that you just keep going. It's incredible. Thank you. I would love for you to start out with just, we're going to talk about some background information. I heard you talking about another podcast about the trends in mental health in the past 40 years. And you talked about the idea of neuroreductionism. Could you cover that for us as just a nice background or introduction to this material? Absolutely. That's a great place to start. So we hear so much about the current mental health crisis and how it's got so bad in children and global surveys are showing that children are basically worse off than adults now. We have to ask ourselves that this whole mental health crisis, why? You know, if we've got all these advances in medicine and we've got all these billions of dollars being thrown at studying mental health, so you'd think it would work or if it wasn't working, why are they still doing it? So if you go back and you dig deep and you see what's going on around about 40, 50 years ago, they discovered chlorpromazine, which is an, like an, it's like an anesthetic. And they gave it to people that were extremely distressed and it calmed them down. And so an industry began, an industry of creating, oh, well, maybe we can get medications for mental health. And that kind of flew into a whole different direction. And because prior to that, mental health has never been handled that well. And there's always been terrible stories of asylums and that kind of thing. But at least in, in in those time periods, if people were battling, there was the realization that people were battling because of what they'd gone through in their life because of adverse circumstances. But with the advent of medication, there was a shift to move it to the biomedical model. And what that means is that mental health was subsumed under the banner of medicine. And therefore, the symptoms were seen as symptoms of a disease. Like, for example, if you have the symptoms that give you the label, uh, that give you the diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, that means you don't have enough insulin. It's a problem in your pancreas. They can test to find that out and they can give you a medication to treat the lack of insulin. So they, that model of symptoms, diagnosis, underlying biological cause, whatever it's called, the medical model, works beautifully for the heart and the brain and the, the different systems of the body, autoimmune disorders and so on. But when it comes to life's experiences, that model has proven to be very, very poor. And the research confirms that it hasn't made things better, that model's made things worse. But it's still the model that's been applied. And this generation of children have grown up in, an, in a generation where emotions are seen as problems. 
and symptoms of a disease and that there's something wrong with your brain or your chemistry. And so sometimes you'll say to like, there's the classic question that was given to it, that was asked a teenager by a psychiatrist, why do you have depression? I don't know. I've got something wrong with my brain. Well, why do you have something wrong with your brain? I don't know. I've got depression. Why have you got depression? I've got something wrong with my brain. And it's a, but that's what is called a tautology. So this biomedical model has created the circular reasoning that I've got this symptom because of the brain and, and the, because of the brain, I've got the symptom. This, the cause and effect can't be the same thing. And uh, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is how can we take someone's huge story, like a, a huge childhood trauma or a, a bad relationship in a marriage or an ongoing chronic issue at work or a racism or, you know, all the, those are big words for, and each of us have individual stories within each, but they're complex. And how do you take that and just subsume that into a disorder that has an implication that there's something wrong with you? Meanwhile, it's not something wrong with you. It's the environment, the nurturing, the experience, something went wrong there that has affected you. In short, it's gone through your brain because your mind and brain are separate and your mind uses your brain. But it's create and it's created changes, but that's not the cause, that's the effect. It's reduced things down to this label. That's the reductionism concept. I love this because so much of my work is around this same area. I mean, you know, it's like what you're describing is like we're looking for a really quick fix or a band-aid for a much bigger issue that yes. we need to be working on. And one of the things in my work is that I, you know, the reason I started my classes and my podcast is I wanted to help parents give children the foundation to be able to connect with their feelings rather than because, you know, in my generation, like we grew up, you shove everything down. And just like you said, anything that is uncomfortable is wrong. It's there's something wrong with you because we are supposed to be happy and joyful. And so there's something else going on and, and you need to like get rid of those emotions as quickly as possible rather than connecting with them and, and learning what is the message that my mind and my soul is trying to tell me right now. What do I need to do? What changes do I need to make? What choices do I need to make so that I can, you know, because I'm not in a happy place. I'm There's something that I need to work on to get myself. And if we just medicate it, we're not taking that opportunity to fix it. And so it's just, you're still, it's like you're still sitting in that, you know, acid bath, but I feel better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, you're speaking my language. It's exactly what we've, you know, that, as you say, that people just, an emotion was seen as a bad thing. And so we've pathologized childhood, we've medicalized misery and turned emotions into bad things when they're actually full of information. As you say, you know, they I always talk about them as being messengers and you said you talk about them as let's find, you know, with the information. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's, that's, we have to shift that process. Yes, very much. I would love you to talk about the neurocycle that you talk about in your book. Let's talk about your book for a second. Tell us what it's called. It's how to help your child clean up their mental mess. It's a guide to building resilience and managing mental health. And the basic philosophy behind it is very much you know, in alignment with your thinking too. And that is that we need to empower our children to understand how to manage their minds, how to understand their minds and how to have the tools to be able to tell their story. So instead of telling them that there's something wrong with them if they feel sad or angry or telling them they're wrong or telling them not to cry or whatever. It's actually understanding if, if there is a pattern change in the child, if they're suddenly not sleeping and they, they're very emotional and they are complaining of sore stomachs and they just don't want to go to school anymore. You know, there's a change in your child. There's a reason. The way your child's showing up is not just some random thing. It's not who they are. And if we can understand that concept of understanding how to recognize those signals in your child and how to teach your child how to recognize the signals in themselves, you're equipping them 
with the tools to manage adolescence, adulthood, and the rest of your life. But I am a psychoneurobiologist. So I look at the mind, brain, and body, not just the brain. You can actually change how your brain is functioning. You can direct the neuroplasticity of your brain. So you can't change what's happened to you because it's the story, it's the past, it's happened. But you, and it's always going to be with you. But you can change the impact. So you can change what it looks like in your mind, brain, body network, mm-hmm. and therefore change how it plays out into your future. Our children live for themselves. We need to know, what do I do when I'm in the moment and I don't have my mom there or I don't have my dad there or I don't have my support there and I'm facing this bully or I have this panic attack. We've got to know how to handle our minds in the moment in order to cope with life. So the neurocycle was birthed out of all of that. And it's been, I, I used it for years with adults and children in different circumstances, extreme trauma, big T, little T, and also autism, learning disabilities, ADHD, all the labels that we hear what I'm doing is helping adults help in this particular book, helping parents, caregivers, help their children understand the process of how to manage their mind. Doesn't exclude all the therapies and counseling and the things that, you know, that I know you do and all the techniques that are out there, you can still use all of that. The great parenting advice, what they, you know, the things that they hear in your podcast, all of that you use. But the problem is that people get all this knowledge and they don't know how to build that into their network so that they can actually change behavior. And so the system I've developed is to be able to recognize and manage yourself, but also take the wisdom and build that into your network so that you know how to move forward. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. 
air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. So can you give us at least like the first couple steps or give us some ideas of like just how parents might get started or just some ideas of how they could start to help their children get some level of understanding or command over their mind? Absolutely. So the way that the mind-brain-body connection works is it's very organized, very structured and follows very specific things because you are influencing physical structures like proteins and chemicals and cells and everything. So in order for and your mind's doing that work. So you first of all, the first thing to understand is that it's a process and that the mind is is not the brain. The brain is a physical substance, very complex, but it's physical. But if you're dead, your brain just does nothing. So what is the difference between, between a dead brain, a dead person and an alive person? It's the mind. The mind is your aliveness. And on a psychological level, that's your ability to think, feel, and choose in response to life experiences. So that's kind of the first thing to understand is that your mind is the thing that's doing the work. And you have a messy mind. Every human does. It's okay to be a mess. And we have a wise mind. Even a child, children, as we know, are much more insightful than what we've given them credit for. And fortunately, there's some great research coming out now about how insightful children are and how they recognize and respond to authenticity and how they read body language better than adults. And so we, we want to tune into that and create the deep, meaningful relationships with children like that. So all of that kind of philosophy is built into the, to this very scientific process. Of, I'm going to tell you five steps. The neurocycle, neuro, neuro as in brain, is how we organize ourselves and our messy mind to capture that messy mind and rewire it. And messy mind being just the challenges of life and how we're responding and getting worked up and getting sad and getting depressed and getting irritated and, and all the stuff that we do. That's very normal. It's human, right? <laughs> exactly. It's the human experience. It's part of being child and adolescent. And then there's obviously the big responses when we have the big traumas, you know, the abuses and that kind of thing. So there's sort of the day-to-day stuff and then there's the bad habits we're developing in the middle and then there's the big stuff on the, on the other end of the scale. So this neurocycle is a system for how you organize your thinking and your mind to drive the changes that you need in your brain in order to drive change in your life. And you can use it with my moment stuff. You can use it with the in-between stuff like bad habits and so on. And you can use it with the big traumas. You can also use it to build good stuff into your brain, like gratitude and joy and and capturing a great happy moment and growing that even more because that all activates resilience. I'll tell you the five steps quickly and then we can talk a little bit about each of them. Great. The first step is called the gather awareness. The second is called reflect. The third is called write. The fourth is recheck. And the fifth is the active reach. Each of those is doing a lot of stuff in the psychoneurobiological network. So if that's driving everything to make a change, that it's a planned and guided process and it needs to be done over time to make big changes. So with patterns, you have to do it over time. And to change a habit takes at least 63 days. So you may be thinking, I don't have 63 days. But let me say up front, your brain's already changing 
whether you like it or not. So all you're doing, if you adopt this as a lifestyle, which is clunky to learn at first because it's something new, but once you understand how to do this, it becomes a lifestyle. Therefore, you, you actually then control the direction of change. So your brain's changing whether you like it or not. So all I'm offering you is a way to direct that change. So, and our brain is changing based on our past experiences. So traumas that are undealt with are driving the wrong direction of change and making things worse. So we want to recognize that and then change that. And that this is all the things that the neurocycle does. So these five steps that sound so very simple need to be done in that order. It's the order that the network needs for change to happen, but it's flexible in that you, once you understand what to do, you can add in your parent wisdom, your whatever your life experiences, whatever you like to do. Psychologists and whatever may start thinking, oh, this is now, is this different to CBT or is this another version? Or it's not any of those. It's not a CBT and ACT. It's kind of a framework. It's a framework. Thank you. It's a framework. It's a vehicle and you can do whatever you want within that framework. So I recommend to, to families have a bench therapy concept or call it a brainy concept or call it the neurocycle area, but find an area in your home that your kids choose or you choose. And maybe you paint a wall in your house with that chalk paint. I've done, I had a lot of my patients done that. Even my sister-in-law did this when her kids were growing up, just took a portion of the kitchen wall, painted it in chalk paint, had a thing of chalk there. And there was a cute little chair in that area, a little box with toys, the books, some crayons, paper, etc. So you've got a couple of tools for them to be able to connect and communicate. And I'm talking about, you know, that's what your sort of two to 10 year old, not even maybe the 10 year olds won't maybe not use the toys as much, but you accommodate for that range. The point is that even you as, as a parent or caregiver, if you walk in the door and you're having a bad day and you yell at your kids and listen, messy parenting is messy. We all know that. Yeah. We're going to make mistakes. Instead of going into parent guilt and trying to pretend nothing's there or trying to keep something in when you feel awful and your kids can read your body language, but they think there's something wrong with them. Instead of that, you go sit in that chair and you say, oh, I've had a terrible day. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I said things I should never have said. And that has impacted you. And this is why. And just you, you do a neurocycle in that space. And that models for the child that, hey, it's even adults battle. It's normal. There's a way of getting through it. I can process it. I'm not bad if I have these feelings and all that kind of stuff. So that's the sort of designated space concept that works really well. And, you know, if you're obviously if you're in the car or you're somewhere on holiday or you're out at a friend, you, you're not in that space. It doesn't mean you can't do it. You just have, you've, you've, you know, the concept has been established. So you can just say, hey, let's do a neurocycle and, you know, they can work through the steps. And I mean, years of experience later, these kids, as I said, they learn it fast. I have four adult children. They grew up with us. It's part of our language. It's part of how we function. So a couple of things that I wanted to comment on is I love your idea of the box with all the different things, the books and the toys and the, and the art supplies, because every child is different and every child is going to be drawn to potentially something different or a different way of expressing or connecting with those feelings in order to work through them. And so that's really important to not just have, you know, some puzzles and a book, but have a, you know, have a nice arrangement. And depending on how they're feeling that day, they might want to do something different or, or pull out something different. So I think that was a really great point. And the thing I wanted to just, I wanted to ask you or kind of run by you because, and just get your thoughts on this is I have three children. Mine are now 12, 12 and 14. So I, I have almost three teenagers. And, you know, when you have younger kids, when you're really little kids, so many people say to you, you know, when you have toddlers and, and the parents are like, oh, the meltdowns, oh, the tantrums and, you know, and they won't stay in bed or whatever the issues are they're dealing with at that time. And then you get these parents of teenagers who will always chime them up and say, oh, you know, small kids, small problems, big kids, big problems. 
But in my experience, because we have such a foundation of building emotional intelligence from these early ages and allowing kids and teaching kids how to connect with their feelings, how to allow their feelings, how to let them know that these are normal and how to work through them. I mean, knock on wood, my children are extremely easy at this point in their lives. And I remember thinking like, I don't think I'm going to have those problems. But, you know, I didn't want to have too much hubris because you never know what you're going to deal with when they turn to teenagers. But I've got a 14 year old who is extremely goal oriented. He spends a ridiculous amount of time over on the tennis courts because he wants to be a pro tennis player. He's very, very driven. They're very good in school. I, you know, again, knock on wood, I haven't dealt with the discord that tends to go along with adolescence. And I feel like it's because their brain is, it's not as messy, or maybe they know how to deal with the mess. And I just would love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I can totally relate to that, Erin, because my four children are adults now between the ages of 25 and 32. And they grew up with this stuff. And I also, I didn't ever find it hard at all. I mean, that, that shouldn't say that it was messy, and there were difficult times. But as you say, all those kind of very, really scary societal expectations, the terrible twos and oh, teenagerhood. I also didn't experience that. My kids also did really well. I mean, things did happen. They obviously had challenges and, you know, there was these ups and downs, but they, we got through them. And as adults now, we get through the things. There's like a real, there's talk, there's connection, there's communication. And, and I do think, uh, let me paint this picture for everyone. Don't, we don't, we certainly aren't trying to say we're the perfect parent, far from it. My kids have often told me, hey, mom, you did this and that really messed me up. And, you know, that was baggage from my own childhood. And, you know, they have the right to say that and to, to work on their stuff. And we want to go through a neurocycle. And, and we all have blind spots, right? Like we all have those blind spots. So so we, we kind of created a, a situation in our house where um, growing up and the kids still do it now as adults, where it was this open communication, this bench therapy concept of, I want you to think, I want you to challenge, I want you to speak out and it's safe. And no matter what you say, you're accepted. And, you know, sometimes kids will say things that you, you know, you must, you've got to control your face, you know, that you don't react, but that is how they will trust you. And they'll come to you with stuff and they'll share with you. And you can say, listen, I'm sorry. I can see the impact it's had on you. You know, I, this is what my intention was and I, but I can see what it's done. How can I help you repair this? How can I you know, and, and I'm summarizing that, but you, you do that in the form of a neurocycle. It's not just talk. It's not just one great moment that doesn't carry over. It's actually a planned and guided change that you wire into you and your child together. You're each wiring it into your own network so that you can then build on that and resilience and, and things increase. So that is, is I'm, I'm really glad you did raise that. And this is where I'm so hot on I didn't grow up with being, you know, you just talk about your emotions. Right. And you must get our kids to do all the stuff we're saying. But we don't want to just talk about emotions because if you've prepared the plane, like I said, but and if you if you do stop there, it's a problem. If you prepare the plane and take off, it's good, but it's still not enough. So what we've what we've found from the research with my teams and myself, and you, you're probably familiar with some of the literature in the area, is that you when you talk about your feelings, you do need to talk about where am I experiencing that inside of me. So in my physical, because when you experience something, as I mentioned, it builds into the mind, brain, and body. Whatever you think about the most is growing in your brain and mind and body and your psychoneurobiological network. You've got a whole forest of experiences in your brain, but if you just look at the toxic, if you just grow toxic stuff in your brain, you're going to get stuck behind that tree because thoughts literally look like trees in the brain. And you're going to look at everything through that toxic tree as opposed to having a broader perspective. 
and that distorts your perception and distorts how you see yourself. But if you can stand back and say, okay, that's one viewpoint, and I can weaken that energy by not looking at that tree, I can make it small and weak and turn it into a nice, healthy green tree, which says, okay, I would maybe like to look like that, but that's not realistic and that's not the only way and that's not my identity. And that takes time to change and rewire that network. Because if you've spent seven hours a day for seven, for nine weeks, or two hours a day for nine weeks, you have established a very strong psychoneurobiological network that is now a habit that is driving your functioning and it grows every day. And a perception of what you're supposed to look like that you're reinforcing a lot of hours a day. All the time. Yeah. Exactly. But that means you have to reverse engineer that. And that's where the mind management aspect comes in. So if we continue down that path, the mental health will get worse. It will get impacted. So the social media habit of looking at the wrong thing is creating that problem. If you track backtrack through the whole thing, if you look at the cause, it's spending hours on building up a wrong perception and building up a wrong viewpoint. So you have to deconstruct that. I think that's, that's awesome. So why don't you tell us about your book, where people can find you, where they can get the book? Absolutely. So the book's available wherever books are sold. And the uh, um, the book is very clearly laying out all these steps and tells you exactly how to do them. And this is what you say to the child and how you say it. And I've broken it up into age groups. So you get the kinds of questions that you ask are appropriate for the age. And then there's lots of little techniques, like, for example, in the gather awareness, you um, are gathering awareness of not just the emotions, but also the behaviors, where how it feels in your body. So gathering, I'll just do this step and explain how I've got it in the book very quickly. So your gather awareness is of four signals. So if your child's on social media, let's take that example and let's link it back to this. So here they're scrolling. So now the emotions are self-hate, frustration, tremendous anxiety, that kind of stuff, maybe even depression. Those are not illnesses, they're emotions. They're filled with messages like you said in the beginning. Where do they feel that in their body? Well, they they potentially are feeling like tension maybe through their whole body, maybe the gut, whatever, different for every person. How's that coming out in the behaviors? Maybe starving themselves, maybe doing things like cutting, maybe all kinds of disordered eating patterns, and then also maybe relationship behavioral changes and so on. And then perspective, I hate myself, I don't want to go to school, valueless, that kind of stuff. So that would be gathering awareness of those. Now, you as a parent can observe that and you could identify those. Then you can sit with your child and help them identify them. You can also identify how it's making you feel, how you feel you're going to handle that with your child. So one that you do for yourself, that's kind of you know private on how you're going to handle the situation because it's scary when you see your kids caught up in these things. Then one where you observe your child and, and identify and then one where you help your child. Hey, this is what I've seen, but... What about you? And you walk them through the process. So never just emotions alone. You've got to attach them to the others. Then you would go into reflecting, why am I like this? Why why am I feeling like this? Why have I got these behavior patterns? Then you would write all that down, third step. But no fancy writing, just all over the page. The more messy, the more you just throw thoughts all over the page, like a big word puzzle, a big, the more you um, activate the, the networks in the brain to become more malleable and changeable because you want to pull, you want to weaken the actual physical protein branches in the brain that are holding that social media pattern, that ugly looking network. You want to weaken it. So these steps are weakening it and making sort of opening up the path to the root, which is the whole thing of I have to look like that. That's where my identity comes from and I won't be accepted. And then so now you know what the root is, that's going to come through these three steps and going into the recheck, which is the fourth step. You now say, okay, well, if that's what's happened, what can I do about this? 
what's the pattern what's the antidote what's the you know what are the activators and all that all that kind of deep digging around to sort it out then you close the cycle with an, a little action like okay if i'm if i'm on social media and i start feeling these warning signals i'm going to stop and i'm going to talk to my mom or dad or friend or whatever about how this is making me feel and get my perspective back so it's like a little reminder so the active reach is like a little action i can take to keep myself moving forward so that's a very simple version and you can go into the depth of it in in the book and on the app and so that the book's filled with those kinds of things so last example is in to, to for example to identify the warning signals if it's a young child you can use the brainy and i've got all the pictures every concept broken down into cartoons so you can show the child you can also get children to cut out pictures it's still summer so let them get lots of magazines cut out lots of pictures and organize them into emotions behaviors bodily sensations and perspectives and cover the put beautiful boxes and keep them in that toy box area so when the child is coming comes home and you can and they don't want to talk you can say can you show me and then they could find a picture i have a coloring book as well you know it's got all kinds of scenarios in it and that's something you could have in that corner there's a blank page next to every scenario you've got different scenarios that they can color in and talk about and brainy seeing the light at the end of the tunnel it's important to own up to your own mistakes and apologize i mean there's all kinds of scenarios that will generate other scenarios and so on that's the kind of ideas concept that the book uh, covers and then for the adults there's the book cleaning up a mental mess and the neurocycle app as well so you can find that those uh, you can find the books wherever books are sold my webpage is drleaf.com brainy and the coloring book are on my website drleaf.com and my social media handle is dr caroline leaf very nice thank you so much this was wonderful thank you What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.